may be seated. Good morning. Welcome. Uh, If you are elementary age kiddo, uh, you can go down with Miss Joanna for the kids' class. Well, we're glad you're here. My name is Robert. I'm the lead pastor, and uh, like I said at the the beginning of the service, it's uh, kind of a a special day. We're having a church summit that uh, is going over our financials and voting on a new budget, things like that. And uh, so I had a little section in there to give a report, which I'm going to give a little report in that meeting. But as I was working on this sermon, I kept wanting to put my report stuff in this sermon. So this sermon has report in it, um, and so everybody gets to hear it, not just folks that come to the summit. Uh, But hopefully it'll be helpful to, to help understand this gift that we're looking at today, which is the gift of giving. And you may notice that I skipped over exhortation. I did that on purpose because today's the church summit, and so I want to talk about giving. I know you're excited about that. Um, but Austin will then pick back up and do exhortation uh, next week, all right? So we've been talking about spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are uh, capacities, uh, skills that God gives us and empowers by the Holy Spirit for the purpose of advancing His kingdom. And so giving is one of those gifts that we read about in in Romans 12 that you just heard uh, Patrick read. And uh, the the little phrase there, Romans 12, 8, the second part says, "...in the one who contributes in generosity." So it gives us what the gift is, and then it gives us how that gift is exercised. And so those are the two things we'll be talking about this morning. Uh, So what is it? Pretty self-explanatory, right? Taking money and stuff that you have in your possession and giving that away to other people. That's the gift of giving. Uh, We might think of it as a a funnel, right? The giver uh, is much like a funnel. What does a funnel do? A funnel uh, allows uh, a liquid to go from one container into another container, right? And it's very helpful because it would be very hard to pour that into that small little uh, bottle there. And so this is what the giver does. The giver is a conduit. Sometimes I use that word when I'm talking about this gift, through which money and stuff flow. Um, And the reason that that gift is given is the same reason the gift, uh, any of the other gifts are given to the church. It's for the advancement of the kingdom of God. Uh, when we see Jesus in his post-resurrection form and he's saying some of his last instructions to his disciples, he says this in Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's Jesus saying, I am the king. I'm the king of the universe. I'm the king of the seen and the unseen. All authority has been given to him. And then the very next phrase is, go therefore make disciples of all nations. Right? This, this is the mission that he gives the disciples, and he gives the church. And so th- the way that he em- empowers us to do that, in part, is the giving of gifts to people. And so e- every Christian has a, has a set of gifts. There at the end of that commission, he'll say, I'm with you always. Well, he's, he's talking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And so part of what the ministry of the Holy Spirit is, is to, is to uh, empower and to, to give, bestow these gifts 
of, of, uh, to, to the church in order to advance the kingdom. So givers, those that have the gift of giving, are really good funnels. They're really good funnels. They, they hold uh, resources in an open hand. Uh, they don't really see themselves as possessors of resources, but managers or stewards of resources. And so resources are, are flowing through them and through those open hands. Uh, they, they're compelled by God to do this. They can't help themselves for doing it. That's one of the ways I think you know you have a, a gifting in a certain area is because you just find yourself just, just doing the, what, what that particular gift is. No one had to train you. No one had to tell you to do it. It's just something that, that flows out of you, and it's a work of God's Holy Spirit. The, the two men, I think, that, that really impacted my understanding of the gift of giving are Bob Campbell and Dan Hall. And this is early on in the, when, when I was a, a young uh, youth pastor. I got to know this guy, uh, Bob Campbell, and I, I was a youth pastor to his, his uh, kids. And then when we came up here to start Mercy House, he said, I'm going to support you $500 a month. I was like, whoa, okay, yeah, great, thanks. Uh, didn't realize that uh, partnership would then continue. And so when we, in 2005, were considering buying this facility, and uh, I went and I talked to Bob, and, I, I, you know, he's like a business person, and he's, he's wise about money, and I'm like, what do you think about it? He came up and looked at it, and uh, he said, let's do it, let's do it. And he said, start raising money. And so we started raising money, and uh, this, this mostly students that were a part of our church at the time were going back to their home churches or going back to their rich uncles and saying, hey, would you, would you support us? And, and so money started coming in, and, and, uh, but we got down to, to the closing time, and, and I was trying to find financing for the facility, and we had to purchase both this building and that building over there, and they came as a unit. And I could get financing for this building, but I could not get uh, financing for that building, which I needed about $340,000 for that building. And so I call Bob, and Bob says, I'll be the bank for that building over there. What I didn't know is that Bob had sold a business, and he was waiting for about $340,000 to come into his account. He didn't tell me that it wasn't in his account yet. And he was waiting. Literally, there was a 24-hour period where that money cleared into his account, and then he uh, forwarded that money into Mercy House account, and the very next day we closed on the building. Every cent of that money, he, he became the, 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 mortgager, the, the, the mortgage person for that, right? Uh, he's a giver. He's a giver. And there was no strings attached, you know. He, he, he wasn't like guilting me or saying, now you better make sure you pay that back. He, he did it with joy. And he did it with a freedom that, that really amazed me. Now, it doesn't have to be big kinds of dollars in order to be given the gift of giving. Uh, Dan Hall. I uh, got to know Dan Hall when I, also when I was a youth pastor, and he was part of our uh, youth teacher team and was working with kids. And then he started working with the homeless. And I would go down to the soup kitchen, and I would uh, work alongside with Dan. And I remember walking through the soup kitchen and seeing guys with these red coats on that had Dan Hall securities on them. And they were homeless guys that were wearing Dan Hall security coats. I'm like, Dan, what happened? Did they steal these coats from you? What's the deal? He's like, no, no, no. I, I just run into people, and they're cold, and I just give them my coat. And so he had given several coats right, away to the homeless. He also always carried this Gerber tool, really nice, pretty expensive tool that was always on his belt. And he'd be using it, and somebody would say, man, i got to get one of those. That's awesome. He'd say, you want it? 
He'd give it to him. I don't know how many times I saw him give, give that away. Well, uh, one time I was sitting in my office as a, as a youth pastor, and I had just had this concert, and we didn't sell very many tickets, and I'd spent my whole youth budget, basically $2,400, a huge budget, right? So I spent the whole budget on this, on this um, uh, concert, hoping to sell tickets and get the money back, and I think I got like $500 back. And uh, I'm literally sitting in my office. I'm praying. I'm like, God, I, I totally blew the whole youth budget. Like, what am I going to do? And uh, Dan Hall walks in. He's got a shoebox. And he puts a shoebox on my desk. And I, I open it up, and it's full of $100 bills. And I go, what is that? He's like, you know, I've been saving money for a Harley Davidson motorcycle, and I've been putting it under my bed every month. And he said, you know what? I was praying this morning, and the Lord just really compelled me that I need to give this to the youth department. I said, how much is it? $2,400. Yeah. It's, it's a gift. The gift of giving. It's, it's a powerful, powerful gift. And, and there's, there's joy in it and there's extravagance in it. We'll talk more about that here in, in a minute. We have folks in our own church that have that gift. Uh, some, some that don't make a lot of money at all. But they, they take what they have and they give it in a, in a really generous way. Others that do have a lot of money, a lot of resources, that are willing to give that, to leverage that for the kingdom of God. And, and, I, and I, want you, I definitely want you to hear this. You don't have to make a lot of money to exercise the gift of giving. If you've got it, you've got it. Whatever resources you have, you can use that gift to leverage those resources uh, for the gospel mission. Uh, the church in general, our church specifically, we need more givers. We need more people to exercise this gift. We need more resources to be released into gospel ministry. Uh, we, we need this unique demonstration of the gospel. This is a demonstration of the grace of the gospel. When we give, it's something that, that authenticates the gospel. And we need givers in our congregation to show us non-giver types, how to give. I, I would consider myself not, not one who's really gifted at giving. I, I still, I, I want to hold on. I want to hoard. I want to spend on myself. And I'm constantly having to, to let go, let go, let go, let go. I, I, for givers, it, it, the hand is open. The hand is open. And so how they give, uh, in Romans 12, 8, it tells us that they give generously generously. A couple ways to th think about that, a few ways to think about that. One is it's extravagant. When they give and you see what they give, you, you're in awe of it. You're amazed by it. That's, that's part of how that gift is exercised. It's extravagant. It's sacrificial. When you, when you see what they're willing to give up, the quality of life they're willing to give up in order to give in that kind of extravagant way. You see that it involves sacrifice. It's faith-filled. So not only is it extravagant and sacrificial, but there's a sense that God is the provider. This is why they, their hand is so open, because their understanding is God put that resource in my hand, God will put more resources in my hand, and I'll keep giving. Right? It's the funnel. I'm just a funnel. And I'm going to funnel the resources of God into the advancement of His kingdom. And then fourthly, there's no strings attached. Those are really the gift of giving. 
They're, they're not trying to control with those dollars and say, oh, now, how'd you spend that? What'd you do with that? Right? No, I don't, don't, don't do that. Now, I give you a lot of money, so let me tell you how to run. That, that's not how they roll. It, it's so much a part of their relationship with God. And so when they're giving, they're giving as worship to God. And so it's really more about God. And he's like, they're, they're mostly like, God, you figure it out. You sort it out. I'm going to give extravagantly, sacrificially, and full of faith. Again, our, our church needs uh, more givers. So we have about eight people. I don't know who they are. About eight, might, might call them giving units. Some are families. Some, some are working singles, perhaps, that give almost 50% of what comes in on Sunday offering. Eight, eight people. And so those are the, the eight people that gave over $5,000 last year. And so we're, we're grateful for those folks. We're grateful for those folks who are, are giving extravagantly. We're also grateful for folks that are not making much. Maybe they're a grad student and, and they're just getting by, but proportionally, they're, they're giving generously. That is, that is a glorious thing. That is a, a gospel-authenticating, demonstrating kind of thing. And so we're grateful for those givers, but let's be challenged by those givers. Let's be challenged because the gift of giving is something that all Christians are called to. Just like all these gifts, especially in Romans 12, all, all Christians are, are, are called to serve. All Christians are, are, are called to have the, you know, to exercise mercy to exhort, to teach. All these things are, are things that all Christians are called to do. Just some of us have some capacity in a particular gift. And so let's be challenged by these, these givers, um, and, and partly because it's an opportunity to, to worship God, to trust God in a way where the rubber really meets the road. But it's also, practically speaking, money. We need money. <laughs> The church needs money. We need money to pay staff and to run facilities and do outreach and to do advertising and, and, and to pay for all kinds of, of ministry expenses. When we look at our budget, which we will later on uh, in the summit, and we will spend you know, about 450000 bucks in a, in a year. All right? So if you think about our average attendance, you know, it's around 200 sometimes up to 250 It's around in that range. And you start to think about, okay, if I have 200 people and I divide that into $450,000, wow, $2,200 a person, right? So even if I'm going to pay for myself, right, I would have to give $2,200 in one year. If I'm married and I'm going to pay for, for myself, my spouse, we're talking $4,400. If I'm married and I've got two kids, we're talking $8,800. It's expensive to do ministry in this place, right? And so the, the necessity for the gift of giving uh, in our church. And a, a lot of folks that come to our church don't have a lot of resources. Uh, as you may have noticed, when, when summer came, about 100 people disappeared from Mercy House. Right? Uh, it's, it's not from some sickness or anything. They're college students. And a lot of who makes up this room right now is still college students and grad students. Uh, and, and so they're living on loans, or they're, 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 they're working their way through school. They don't have a lot of resources, which means that others who do have resources give so that those students and grad students can have 
a church, and then they one day will have a good job and they will be able to resource the kingdom. But it takes people to, to resource so those folks can have jobs. Some just have lower-paying jobs. And, and so they, they give generously, but the percentage of that uh, is, is not that high. But some have resources, but don't release those. They don't release them. And so why is that? Why, why does the funnel, why does that funnel get stopped up, right? Like what, what is it that stops up the funnel? I've got eight reasons. Eight reasons. So get ready, okay? Number one, some don't know the importance of giving. Just didn't know it was important. Uh, we talk about prayer, we talk about Bible study, we talk about sharing your faith, growing uh, in, in understanding of Scripture, all those kinds of things. Oftentimes we're not talking a lot about giving. Part of that's my fault, my own hang-ups. I tried to grow through and out of that over the years and talk more uh, forthrightly about giving. I mean, when we first started the church, I've said this before, we didn't even have an offering basket out. We just, people that were part of the, like the core team and a part of the membership, like, hey, Wink, wink, nod, nod, would you give some money, right? And, and, and so folks didn't even know we had an offering basket. Now we're like passing it around and standing in the back. We want you to know we're taking up an offering, okay? Uh, we're, we're, we've gotten over some of those hang-ups. And, and partly it, it's an important piece of discipleship. You miss out if, if you're not taught to give generously. Uh, Jesus says it this way, Matthew 6, verse 19, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He's saying, don't hoard your wealth on earth, but spend it for the advancement of the eternal kingdom. That's how you lay up treasures in heaven. You spend it for eternal things. They're going to last, right? And that, that giving or lack of giving reveals the condition of your heart. He says, wherever you're laying up treasure, if that's on earth, that reveals something about your heart. And if you lay up treasure in heaven, as in you're leveraging resources to advance the kingdom, that also reveals your heart. And so it's one of those sort of rubber meets the road spiritual disciplines. You know where your heart is when you look at your giving or your lack of thereof. I think about this uh, monthly when I, I'm writing an offering check, and I'm, I'm like thinking about, okay, 10% of my income, giving this to the church. What am I thinking? Right? I, I've got debt. I don't have a lot of savings. My kids are in college, and they're incurring debt. What am I, nuts? No. There's a God in heaven, there's a God who's my provider. I wouldn't even have the resources I have if it wasn't for Him. And so offering up 10% or, or more in offering to Him as worship, as obedience, it's a no-brainer. This is the best investment I've ever made. And all those resources throughout the years, and I, I started giving 10% away when I was a college student. I heard someone talk about tithing. I was like, I'm doing it. And never looked back. Never looked back. But every month, it's like you kind of think through it. Okay, Lord, if you don't show up in this, this is the stupidest thing I've ever done. I'm toast. I'm bankrupt. Right? 
but He shows up. He shows up. He's the provider. And uh, so, so I, the, the, the number one thing I said, we don't know that it's actually important. We've kind of put it way down. No, yeah, we, we pray, read Bible, share faith, but giving's like way down here. It, it needs to be up higher. And it's actually a good litmus test for how we're doing in our worship of Jesus. Number two, some of us have never been in a culture of generous giving. We've never experienced it. So we don't even know what I'm talking about. Like you're hearing me talk about it, you go, what's he, what's he even talking about? So Massachusetts, in, in a list of 50 states, is number 41 in generosity. Right? Number 41. Woohoo! Yeah! Let's go, Mass! Right? And you look at that list, and, and the bottom is mostly New England states and Northeastern states. All right? Northeastern folk have a tendency to hoard their wealth and spend it on themselves. And if you've grown up in that culture, and you've grown up in a family like that, it informs the way you think about giving. And you think, well, I gave $100 last year to the church. Woohoo! Well, I, it's not that much unless all you made was 1000 Right? And so the culture that you've, you've grown up in and lived in, I know not everyone's from New England, neither, including myself, uh, but, but, but you can think about the culture of giving in, in your experience. Is that something that you grew up with? I know for some who, who've become Christians here and they've been baptized and they start growing and they start giving and their parents who are not Christians find out they're giving 10% of their income to the church and they go, what are you doing? Right? That culturally, it, it, it doesn't make sense, but we're not really here to follow the culture. We're here to be counterculture. And giving away resources for the kingdom of God, this is counter the culture, and those resources are treasures in heaven. They're, 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 they're causing some things to happen that are eternal in consequence. Now, God doesn't need your money, right? He'll find someone else to give the money if you won't. So it's, something, it's not like that. It's not like, oh, you better give or the whole church is going to come off. Come. No, you're going to miss out. You're going to miss out. So the opportunity to leverage those resources for the kingdom of God right, is, is, a, is, a, is a grand opportunity. Um, number three, life is expensive. This is another reason the funnel gets, gets stopped up. Uh, it's incredibly expensive to live in Massachusetts. Have you noticed? Right? This is the fifth most expensive state in the United States of America to live in. Fifth most, most expensive state. Housing is 75% more expensive in mass than the rest of the country, right? Did you know that? Yeah. So, yeah, it's expensive uh, to live here. Uh, so sometimes when Melanie and I are visiting family in Texas and we're walking through the neighborhoods and there'll be one for sale and there'll be like a little brochure and we'll pull the brochure out and we'll look at it and, 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 it, and it'll be the same price as our house uh, and, and, and it'll have like a hot tub in the back and a huge deck and five bedrooms. I'm not joking. And it's gorgeous and it's a mansion and we're looking at it and we're looking at the price and we're going, what is this? Right? It's expensive to live here. I know that. I get that. That's part of what stops up the funnel. Uh, number four, most of us are in debt, especially if you're a millennial. Most of us are in debt, especially if you're a millennial. If you're 21 to 34 years old, 
In that, in that category, you hold 1.1 trillion of the consumer debt in this country. That's one-third of the consumer debt. Are held by those who are 21 to 34 years old. So, so you know, some of you are, are, are 34 years old, and you're hearing me give you the exhortation to give generously, and you're going, you don't know how much student debt I have. Yeah, I do. I know. Right? And my own kids are going to have to face some of that. So it's, it's part of it. It's part of what uh, stops up the funnel is this debt. Number five, we don't know how to handle our money, especially if you're a millennial. You don't know how to handle your money. Uh, Wall Street Journal had an article out uh, a few weeks ago, and this is the quote. It says, this next generation is not prepared for the financial engagement it faces. Millennials give themselves high marks on their financial knowledge, yet the data show that only 8% of them could correctly answer five questions used to assess understanding of the fundamental concepts that define financial literacy. They owe a lot, they know too little. That's part of it. That's part of it. We don't know how to manage our money, all right? Now, we want to help that. And this is something that, that the elders and I talk about. Okay, how can we help folks learn to manage their money? They, they don't just need a sermon saying, you better give, you better give. It's important to give. You need some shepherding. You need some coaching in regards to maybe how to get out of debt, how, how to move toward generous giving. So for starters, I put a little book back there called The Treasure Principle. It's short. It's awesome. You ought to pick it up. Pick it up. I'm not even going to charge you because if you read it, it'll definitely pay for itself. It's sitting on, sitting on the back corner there in the free book section. Pick it up. Begin to, to, to learn. Begin to learn about giving and, 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 and just how to, to manage finances. Uh, we're also talking about uh, some things that will roll out in the coming months, opportunities for you to learn more about finances and giving, and what does that look like, and what does the Bible say? And so I want to encourage you to take advantage of it. When we roll it out and we say, okay, Saturday, 10 a.m., come for a few hours and let's learn about this, sign up and come. Don't just stay in the stuck state of debt and overspending and, and, and not repenting and moving out of that to a place of freedom. So those, those things will be forthcoming. So number six, we're giving our money to other things. We're giving our money to other things. Now, it's good to give money to other things. It's good to give to campus ministry. It's good to give to nonprofits. It's good to give to, 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 to different groups that are working with all kinds of needs around the world, but not to the detriment of the local church. This is ground zero for the kingdom of God, the local church. So if you're, you're, you're hearing me talk and say, well, I am generous. I am very generous. I'm giving to all these missionaries. I'm giving to all these ministries, and I don't have enough left over to give to the church. You need to repent. I'm serious. The local church is the ground zero for the kingdom of God. And, and then, absolutely, on top of that, and we as a family, we do this. We give to, to ministries, to missionaries. We get so many letters, it's ridiculous. Folks saying, hey, I'm going on a trip. Would you help? Right? And as much as we can, we, we give. But not to the detriment of our giving to the church. Right? And that's a biblical mandate. So here's one scripture. I could give you several. Don't have time. 1 Timothy 5.17 says, Let the elders who rule well 
be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the Scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. So here's what it's saying. It's saying that the elders that are, their vocation, their calling is preaching and teaching. Okay, I know I'm one of those. They're worthy of double honor. So what it's talking about is honor as in respect, but honor as in money. That's the double. And, and, and they got to get paid so that they can labor in preaching and teaching. It is labor. It's not just, oh, look a few Bible verses up for an hour and then come preach. It takes a lot of labor. On top of pastoral work, administrative work, there's a lot of work that needs to be done to help the church advance in its mission. We are a church of almost 18 years old. We've seen over $2 million come into this place from the outside. Much of that was raised from my own supporters. That's amazing. Glory to God that He loves this place, that He wants the gospel to get out to these colleges and these communities such that He'd be willing to release those kind of resources into this place. But it's time to continue to mature in our own giving here in the church. We can't live off of the outside giving forever. Now, I think alumni giving is something that should be a part of our church forever. But other partners, I don't think so. I don't think so. So number seven. I told you there were eight, so we're almost to eight. Seven. We care more about ourselves than we do about God's kingdom. We care more about ourselves than we do about God's kingdom. Uh, we have to ask ourselves, am I willing to give up some of my quality of life in order to leverage resources for the kingdom of God? And some of us would have to say, no, no, I'm going to meet my needs, I'm going to meet a whole bunch of my wants, and then I look and see what's left over, and here's a few bucks for the church. That's not mature Christian giving. Mature Christian giving is off the top. It's what's called the first fruits you prayerfully discern. If you're married, you prayerfully discern with your spouse. If you're not, you, you prayerfully discern as an individual and you say, this is what I'm going to give. This is what the Lord is leading me to give in generosity. And we, yeah, we encourage people to use 10% as, as a, a, a standard for that. But that's the kindergarten, I, I would say, the kindergarten of giving. It's the beginning. It's the Old Testament believer level. And now we're under grace and we give less than Old Testament believers. I, that doesn't make no, any sense to me. And so we're prayerful about it, and, 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 and we're discerning, and we say, this is what I'm going to give, and I'm going to give by faith, and it's going to be extravagant, it's going to be sacrificial, it's going to be faith-filled, whether I got the gift of giving or not. And then I give in faith, no matter what. Um, this is an amazing place, I would, I would say, to leverage resources for the kingdom. The kingdom of God is coming down in this place in so many ways. Uh, last school year, 15 people baptized. 15 people baptized. Some of those had never come into a church until they walked in these doors. Never heard the gospel till they heard it here. And they kept coming week after week after week and they heard the gospel and they responded in faith and they professed their faith in baptism and they're growing as disciples, that's exciting to me. Some, some of them were in their 50s and had been grown up in New England, had never heard the gospel. 
until they came in here. And for two years, this couple that some of you know, they heard the gospel, they, they worked through it, they asked a ton of questions, and at, at the end of that time, they came to me and they said, we want to be baptized, we want to profess our faith, we want to follow Jesus. That's happening here. That's happening here. 43 people joined the church last year. 43 people. Most of those are millennials. Most of them are students. It's unheard of. Most of the rest of the church in America is scratching their heads saying, how do we reach the young people? That's all we got joining the church. In, in New England, in Amherst, in this crazy college town, they're joining the church and they're saying, we want to serve, we want to be a part of mission. It's awesome. It's miraculous. And, and we get to be a part of that in a whole bunch of ways. But one is, the, is our giving, right? Fifteen children dedicated last week. I can only show them half, half of you. I, I don't have a picture of all of them, right? Consequently, our kids' ministry is blowing up downstairs. Sometimes you can hear them, right? It's awesome. Number of attenders, even this summer, are considering the gospel and working through their, their questions, moving toward a saving faith in Christ. And this is just summertime, right? We're developing young leaders. Folks that are oftentimes either seniors or postgrads, and they're coming on our staff, and we're investing in them. Uh, some of them are going to seminary. There's leaders that are being built up in this place, and some are staying around to serve, others being sent out in, in other places and are serving around the world. We've also given away some money, which you may think is crazy, but we, we want to give by faith as a church too, not just as individuals. We've given away $25,000 over the last 10 months. Some of that was to needs, folk, folks that had, had, had needs that were local folks, some church folks, and we were able to give them uh, some, some housing that, that were homeless, thing, things like that. Um, we gave away to campus ministry, different places, some here, some uh, other, other places, other states. Uh, we gave to student missionaries that went out on mission trip over spring break and over the, the summer. We gave the church plants, one in East Asia, one at Penn State that, that's launching on Easter, and one at Fitchburg State that's launching in September. And this is the most recent one. So we take a percentage of income, the offering that comes in on Sunday, and we put it in, in the little church planting fund, and we hold on to it. And then when we see an opportunity, we, we're, we're able to help some folks. And so Timothy Robinson here, yep, uh, he is launching his church, the Haven Church, in September. And he called me up, and he, he was like, Robert, I've got this perfect spot. It's right next door. Uh, to uh, walking distance to Fitchburg State. This is the kind of money I'm trying to raise. And he's just looking for, you know, like 100 bucks or something. And so I'm like, let me check and see what we can do. And we gave him 7,500 bucks. It was awesome. That's awesome. So there's going to be a church in, in September that's walking distance from Fitchburg State, 6,000 students that need Christ in part because this church gave money so that they could have a facility. Isn't that awesome? Would you like to give to that? Some of you are. But some, you're not yet giving. I don't know why, but it's probably one of these eight reasons. Right? This is a great opportunity. And if I was in Texas and Oklahoma doing this little spiel and, and raising this money, at this point I look in their eyes and I would say, first of all, thank you for giving. Those that are giving in this room and you're leveraging and your quality of life has gone down because you're giving and you're doing it extravagantly, sacrificially, thank you. 
Thank you. Those dollars are treasures in heaven. Eternal things are happening because of those dollars that you're giving. I'd also say, would you please prayerfully consider giving? Those of you that are not giving, would you prayerfully consider? I say those same things to you. Thank you for giving. Please prayerfully consider giving if you're not already giving. But if you're part of the church, you also have a biblical mandate to give and to give generously. God is calling you to to give. And it's part of being a disciple of Jesus, a mature disciple of Jesus, is generous giving. The last reason that we don't, that the, that the funnel gets stopped up is we don't accurately view God's generosity in the gospel. This is the most important. We don't accurately view the generosity of God in the gospel. There's so many verses I could quote here, but here's one, Galatians 1. It says, grace to you, that's free stuff to you. And peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave Himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Jesus is more than a funnel. Other religious leaders, Muhammad, Buddha, they're funnels, right? They, they say, well, I, I, can, I can funnel the divine for you. Jesus is not the funnel. Jesus is the gift, he gives his very self. This is what, we, uh, this is what we, we celebrate when we come to this table. Right? We, we think about when, when Jesus is with his disciples on the night, he's betrayed the night before his death. He takes bread, he breaks it. He gives it to them saying, take, eat. This is my body given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. You talk about an extravagant gift giving himself for us. And in the same way, he took the cup, and after he took the cup, he thanked God for it. He blessed the cup, and he gave it to them, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. As often as you drink this, do this in remembrance of me. Not only is the gift uh, extravagant, but it's sacrificial. Required his own blood to be poured out. And so as we, as we behold that extravagance and that sacrifice in the gospel, it, it, it should compel us to want to be generous. Not, not because we're earning something, but because we've been given so much, right? And so what becomes the funnel is, is our faith becomes the funnel, right? This, this grace that, that God is pouring out in our life to, to save us, but then to transform us and then to, to work through us and in, 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 in through us for the kingdom's sake. And so by faith, by faith, by faith, that grace flows and flows and flows and flows and flows. It flows in us and transforms us, but it's not just about us. It flows out of us and it impacts people for the glory of God and for the, the benefit of others. So as, as we behold that gospel, this is really at the root of our generosity or our lack thereof. So what's next? What's next? Here's some application, to, I, I, I think. Um, one is just thanksgiving and praise to God for his generosity. This is part of why we don't give is because we don't really receive. We don't, we don't really acknowledge that everything that we have, including our salvation, but every morsel of food we have, everything, it's from God. It's grace. This is why Christians oftentimes pray at every meal. 
It's not just some ritual to go through. It's actually a way to acknowledge, God, this that's on my plate, this came from you. I wouldn't have it if it wasn't for you. And so just, God, thank you. Thank you for, for being extravagant and sacrificial in order to give to me so generously, right? So that in and of itself will deal with some of the hard issues that we have. But then allow yourself then to confess. To confess if your finances are in a mess, God, I'm, my finances are in a mess. But, but do that in a way that's not just, I want you to fix it so I can have a nice, secure, happy, safe life. I want to give. I want you to be able to release resources through me into the kingdom of God. And yes, I have needs and I need those met, but I want more than that. I want to give. So God, I just give you my messy finances, God, and I ask for your wisdom, I ask for your help, I ask for your grace, I ask for your provision, because I don't just want to have a nice life, I want to, I want to give, I want to give. We confess that we have a fear that he won't give. That's, that's part of it. God, I, I don't trust you. I'm not going to release this because I don't think you're going to be good, and I don't think you're going to give it to me. Confess that to him. Confess your fear. Confess you don't trust him. Confess your apathy to the kingdom. Here are these disciple-making opportunities, things that need money. You're like, eh, whatever. I think I'll go on a vacation. Confess that. God, don't let me be apathetic to the things that are eternal. Confess that. Confess a small view of the generosity of God. And if you've lost that sense of how grand and, and generous is the gospel, to, to, to confess that and to Return to him and behold it and be in awe of the extravagance and the sacrifice of the gospel. And then seek to grow. Seek to grow. If this is something that, that you know, wow, I, I don't even know what to do next, right? So start reading scripture. Start looking at, at scripture around the Bible. Grab that book as you, as you go out, the treasure principle. Uh, talk to your spouse if you're married. Pray. Hey, are we giving what we should? What should we do? And, and seek God as a, as a couple. Sit down with an elder. We've got some great elders. They're generous. They've got the same issues and stresses and, and struggles as you do. And, and reach out to them. Sit down with them. Say, man, I, I want to be generous, but I don't even know where to start. What do you do? How, how can you help me? They'd be happy to have that conversation. And then give. Give. Give generously. And again, it's in proportion to what you have. It's, 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 uh, it can be generous if you don't have a lot and you can give a little, but, it, but, but just give. Give generously. So let's do that. Let's, let's, let's praise and thank God. Let's confess. Uh, let's repent. Let's obey. And let's do that as, as we prepare to come up here for the bread and the cup, as we, uh, as we sing. Let's let the Lord just work, work his, uh, whatever business he has with us out in our own hearts. So let's pray. God, you are, you are generous and good and can be trusted. We're, just, we're grateful that we can come to you as our Father. We can ask for daily bread. You told us we should. And so we do, as individuals, we ask for daily bread. We ask as a church. There's always 
challenges and financial things, and, and Lord, you've, you've met us at every turn. You've, you've, you've never forsaken us, God. You've always been there. And so may we be faithful stewards of what you've given us, and um, may, may you, through our own giving and through the giving of others, God, may you resource this place and resource the kingdom ministry that goes on here. But we pray you'd bless the cup and the bread, God, and we just we pray it'd be a, a reminder of your generosity this morning as we receive, as we merely receive a reminder of the gift of the gospel. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.